Sylvie Bigar, an international food and travel writer born in Switzerland and is based in New York City. She's fluent in French, English, and Italian. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Washington Post, and many more. She recently wrote a book called Cassoulet Confessions. Today we interview her on her journey through food and how it connected to her writing, how she combined the two passions and made it into one, where she found inspiration for her writing and also, more specifically, this book. Also, she'll give us some writing tips for others interested in the English department and her journey on how she got through here and everything in between. If you'd like to support me further, please go to my Instagram, website, or Patreon and support me there. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm here with uh, Sylvie Vigar today. Sylvie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hello, Dylan. Thank you for having me. Of course. So just for the listeners that don't know who you are, just give us the rundown. What do you do? You know who you are? All that. All I'm, that a, I'm a food and travel writer. Um, I'm also the author of a food memoir that was just released called Cassoulet Confessions. And, um, and I live in New York City. I am obsessed with travel and discovery and great food. All right, great. So just to start us off, this podcast, it's, it's all about careers, right? But, you know, I want to know for our, our listeners, like, I have the signature question I always ask. And it's like, imagine it's like it's a Thursday night or something, some random day. You're, you're, you know, I'm a junior uh, in high school, so I like to say, like, you're kind of, like, 16 years old. You know, it's after school, you get home, like, what are you doing? You know, what's your hobbies? Are you, I don't know, I, like, some guests like to say they played sports, some, like, read, you know, what were you doing? So, I have to tell you, I did not play sports. (laughs) That was not my thing. Um, But I would probably find my way to the kitchen and either sort of taste whatever was being prepared in the kitchen there, or um, I was probably also, um, you know, reading or just sort of hanging out. Now, you have to realize that uh, we didn't have cell phones when I was 16. So, the you know, it was limited. Uh, We spent a lot of time outdoors, um, and I grew up in Geneva in Switzerland. Um, and my parents had a house with a big garden. So I spent a lot of time in that garden playing with my dog and just basically kind of procrastinating, not wanting to do my homework. So were you like playing in the garden and you were just there or were you actually like helping take care of it as well? No, I did not help take care of it, but I had sort of like my favorite spots. Um, we had some pretty amazing, very tall trees um that had been planted actually believe it or not like 200 or 300 years before Um, because that garden where i grew up was sort of a magical garden that had been created by uh one of the major botanists of uh, 
of the 18th century. And so he tried to plant these, uh, you know, sort of unusual trees, and uh, some of them are still around, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. We have a little yeah. garden in uh, my Connecticut house, but it's like, it's like smaller than like a bathroom, so it's nothing. It's nothing <laughs> magical. But um, anyway, so what would you? I know this is like kind of like <clears throat> you don't have an exact answer for this, but like. What would you say you do now? You consider yourself more of like a writer or still more of like a, like I know you could say, obviously there's a lot of things, but like right now, someone, if you had to pick, what would you say you're like most? Now, at? today, yeah. I'm a writer. You're a writer. And then, but you're always, so yeah, that's the, my main question. So did you always know when you were like 16, 17, no. 18? Or do you have some other interest no. that you want to? Yeah. So actually, um, you know, I had some interest. I was always interested in, in, I always loved writing, but I wasn't thinking I would be working as a writer because my father um, had his own business and he really wanted me to work and uh, learn the business. And he was trying to teach me, you know, economics and uh, political science and Ooh. statistics and things like that. And Oh man, I hated that. I just hated that. And for years, um, you know, I tried, I tried my best. I tried to please him. And actually my first career, because being a writer is my second career. Uh, but my first career, I, I was working in public relations. Um, and it wasn't really business per se, but it's still, you know, kind of marketing, it's more PR. on that side of things than like the creative, or not creative, but exactly. Side. yeah. Exactly, and so I think that, you know, at, at 16, uh, some, some of us at least are still trying to do what our parents think we should be doing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, right? I mean, we can, we can say that. I mean, like, we grow up with them, you know? It's kind of like the only thing you see, so you, you, you automatically flock to it, but most people I've talked right. to on this podcast say, like, they ended up going the opposite way, which is kind of funny. Well, exactly. And actually, I was just talking um, earlier, and this year is going to mark, 2023 is going to ma mark my father's, you know, the 20th anniversary of my father's passing. Mm. And so he never knew that I became a writer. And wow. uh, so he, he would have that. been very surprised that I chose that literary route. But um, so when I talked to other guests as well, was there ever like, a certain event that like uh let's say sparked this passion like and then you realize like oh yes i like writing or was it just a gradual build up over time you think well there were two things um i always loved writings as i said so you know i did have that i i went to in geneva i went to a school called the international school of geneva and I was studying several languages, French, English, and Italian, a little bit of German. Um, I could never write in German, but I could write in Italian, obviously, French and English. And yeah, you know uh, a lot of languages. That's so impressive. I don't know any languages. You know, it's also, it's about where you grow up. Because when you grow up in Switzerland, it's such a small country. If, you know, you drive an hour and, and you're, you know, in France, you drive two hours, you're in Italy, you drive three hours, you get to Germany. To, yeah, you need. So, and, and there's actually several languages even within the country. 
So it's all about where you grow up and, and I'm sure you're learning things and I know because I also have a son, um, you're learning things that I never learned, you know. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you the one thing, when I was working as a PR person and I was ready for a change, I took a travel writing class. Mm. Um, and that's something that can be, uh, you know, that, that people could use as advice. It's like, it's not because you become sort of, involved in a career that you can't switch, you know? Of course, and, yeah. I mean, I was working um, in music public relations and I took a travel writing class. And I remember the first class we had to uh, write, you know, the, the professor gave us a, a, you know, I don't remember exactly what it was, some kind of prompt where we all had to write uh, two or three paragraphs about it. And he came around and he read what I had written and he chose to read it out loud to everybody else. And that, when I heard that, you know, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, maybe I can do this. Maybe I'm good, you know? Mm, I see. So, and then like, yeah, so what did your, like, were you were you hesitant to go into writing after that, or were you did you get like full support from people around you in general to be like, yeah, go for it? Or I did get a lot of support um, from my husband at the time. Yes, I did um, because yeah. yeah, because being creative, I think if you can be creative, um, I mean it's a gift, right? Mm -hmm. I don't I don't gift. know how creative I am. Uh, well, it's still a little early. That's true. How, how do you deal? I've never asked uh, an author this. How do you deal with like, like, I guess, writer's block? Like, what do you do, you know, or whatever? it's. Called. Oh, it's very tough. It's very tough. I mean, for example, right now, I'm not going to say I'm in writer's block, but I'm working on a novel. Um, my my second book, I'm working on, on this Already. novel. Already? Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Not to interrupt. Yes. Keep going. That's yeah, amazing. yeah. No, it's good. That's amazing. Um, but it's it's uh, very different from anything I've done before because it's a historical novel, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing, because I'm having a hard time writing this, um, I'm doing a lot of research. Yeah, You know, I'm trying to put myself back in the time of my novel. And so by doing research, you know, suddenly something sparks an idea. Oh, you learned that, you know, for... I'm writing about the 1920s in Paris, for example. And then you read that this happened in April 1923 in Paris. And then you're thinking, oh, so my character could have, you know, gone to this show or he could have seen that demonstration. And so that sort of unlocks the writer's block is by doing research, I think. Do you think like an author will get better and better at dealing with writer's block the more they write? Or do you think it's just like it's always a challenge and you'll never be able to like fully get rid of it, you think? I don't think people can fully get rid of it unless you're, you know, a genius. But even, <laughs> but even you know, even the people who kept going and going and going and writing so much, um, I mean, I think we all have writer's block. Oh yeah, or just a block in general, honestly. Yes. That, that happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, to, to transfer more, you're also really into food, right? 
I am. So that I assume that was also just like a gradual thing. You probably had good food in your, or you can. Tell well, us yeah, more. I had good food growing up, but you know the 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 switch. Actually, there was a switch then. There was an event. There was a. There was an yeah. event because what happened was that um, I described to somebody the way we used to eat at my house in Geneva, yeah. Switzerland, and they were totally intrigued. They were like, wait, what? What did you eat? And who served it? Um, because I grew up in a big house. I don't know if you've seen episodes of Downton Abbey, but it was a little bit like Downton Abbey in mm -hmm. the sense that there was a staff, yeah, right, that, that served my family um, at the table. And there was a cook, right? And so the cook uh, and I were very good friends because oh, I was always right. in the kitchen, right? And I was always asking, you know, how do you make this? How do you make that? And then wanting to taste everything. I was, so, a, I was a nuisance in that kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> do you, so do you, do you cook now at home for your whole family? Are you the main, the main yeah, like husband cook or is he yeah. not that good? Um, well, he doesn't <laughs> cook that much. But uh, but yeah, I was I was thinking about it. Actually, I cooked uh, a whole meal last night, um, and I haven't cooked like that in a long time because I think we've sort of changed the way we eat. Mm. I don't know if, if you can see that, but yeah, can you um, elaborate on that? That's interesting. I want. Well, for example, um, when I was a kid, you know, we we ate the French way, right? We had an appetizer and a main course. Oh, very and, like set. Right? Yes. Set. And then today, you know, maybe you have like three different small plates and, you know, one person in the family is vegan. So you're, you're oh, going to yeah. make sure they Vegetarian. have they dietary eat. restrictions, right? Stuff like that. And then we're trying to eat less meat. But when we eat meat, then it's really good meat. You know? <laughs> it's got to be good. Gotta um, be good. Which one? Which one do you like more? Are you more a sucker for the childhood set way, or do you like this new, like lax kind of? You know? That's a good. That's a very good question. Um, I think I tend to go back to my roots. Mm, appetizer, entree, yeah. I think so. Yeah. For example, I, I have trouble seeing people eat soup with the rest of the meal. It's like you eat the soup first. You gotta eat the then, soup first. Right? You agree with me? Yeah. Well, what do you think of like grilled cheese and tomato soup? Huh? That's like an entree and an you know, and they just dip it in. So. That's right. I mean, that's the, so that's that's where uh, you know, kind of the American freedom comes in, where you know you can do it any way you want. But I think yeah, New York definitely does have like good food compared to other places. So I'm For grateful sure. that I live in New York. Yeah. Speaking. Oh, yeah. How was um, how's going from like Europe to America? How was that you know transition? You know, do you do you miss like Switzerland a lot even now, or are you glad no, you're here? I can't I can't tell you that I miss it, but I think for every person who's who was born elsewhere, um, and of course circumstances are very different because some people just can never go back, right? Yeah, certain um, events happen. Yeah, certain events happen. Then you can't. Yeah. You can't go back. Um, but maybe if you can't go back, you're even more nostalgic. But I do have nostalgia for Europe, um, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, my mother is still around, and 
I go see her regularly and no, I, I, I love Europe, but I can't say that I miss Switzerland. Mm. I don't. <laughs> you don't. My mom goes to Switzerland sometimes for work. Uh, yes. they, they have pretty good chocolate, so. Oh yeah, no, she told me she, she went often to Zurich. Yeah, she goes off, and so she has to work with those people, and it's like different time zone. I feel bad, but um, but anyways, as you know, this podcast is for um, it's for like other kids that are listening, uh, for advice, and I I do know some kids right that that are living in the U.S. now, and they have to move away from the U.S. because I used to go to a, an international school, the U.N. So it's a lot of like moving. Yes. So, um, I'm just wondering, you know, for them, like, what advice would you give them for moving? Because this is their first time. They're, you know, a lot of kids are nervous, right? I used to live in uh, New York my whole life, and now I have to go to, you know, X, Y, Z. Like, what advice would you give them for for a big move? I mean, I would I would tell them to look at this as an adventure, um, because I think that nowadays everything is in flux, right? There's never been that many. Um, different kinds of, you know, migration and and flow between countries, between culture. And I think we can't resist it. We should welcome it and see how moving and discovering, you know, new people, new foods, new landscape, new ways of doing things. It, it I think it can only enrich us. Um, and I think people who don't really want to move is mostly because of fear. Of course, and the unknown, yeah. The unknown, fear of the unknown, absolutely. But you think you think they can make it, they can get over it? I do, I think they can make it, and I think the great thing that you guys have that we didn't have is that you can stay in touch with people. Oh, absolutely, so and the easily. internet, it's so, it's so like, it's come, as you know, it's a curse and a, and a blessing at the same time. It is. Um, speaking of the internet, you know, how has has that like um, affected the way you see food as well? Because I know there's like you know like I remember my friend he once posted a photo of like you know he's like American but he posted like spaghetti or something, and like like these like like random Italian people were like like hounding him and so and now he's like you know he doesn't like want to share his food anymore and I, I'm wondering what you think of that. I know that's like a big random question and it's so out of the blue but like I'm just curious you know I mean I think that we all I mean you were born with the internet I wasn't Mm. so I for me it's a constant sort of discovery of what the internet does how how can you use it for your for yourself if you want to I've chosen to use the internet just really on a professional level. Whenever I have um, stories that appear in newspapers or magazines or website, you know, I post about about them. Um, when my book came out, you know, I, I posted about my book. And, you know, my book is about this stew, this French stew called yes. cassoulet. I don't right? think I've ever had it, which is now I feel like I really need to. Clearly you do. You do need to have where, where it. Where should I go? I mean, like, I mean, maybe we should just go to to France, honestly. Well, definitely, if you can go to France. My family yeah. actually has been talking about that, but it's like you know we were going to go to Europe in general, but then COVID has just you know it's completely 
Yeah, yes. I still everyone. But anyway, sorry. Yes. Um. But listen, you have my book there. Look at the recipes at the end. I saw. They're... I saw the recipes. I just don't want to mess it up, you know, because it'll be my first impression. And if it's like, if I make it bad, I'm gonna be like, Ooh, you can't you know? make it bad. If you okay. take the recipe that's called Gateway Cassoulet, it's mm -hmm. the simplest one. Gateway. I think it's the last one um, in the book. Oh, yeah, this book is like, the cover is so nice, by the way. I know that's such like, that's a random thing to compliment, but I know. No, actually, like, a lot of people, have, nice. thank you. A lot of people have said that. And actually, the house that you see there, um, you know, is the house where I grew up. Really? Yes. Oh, that's a very like, what's like very traditional looking like manner. Yes, it is a totally, totally manner. So if you look at page 152, Gateway Cassoulet, um, the prep time for this is 40 minutes, but it cooks for two and a half hours. I am telling you, you cannot fail this recipe. Okay. Maybe, the only, maybe I may make this, yeah. I think you should. I think I would encourage you I'll to. I'll send a photo if I did. No, because I'm so interested in this one because uh, this one is like, I'm really into food myself. I, don't, I guess I want to call myself obviously like a professional or anything, but I've been cooking a lot or trying to, you know. That's great. And um, That's great. The only question is wh what would you put this stew, what would you cook it in? Because what I recommend um, is a clay pot, um, you know, a, sort of a big terrine like that. But actually you can, you know, the, the first one you can make – in, you know, in a Dutch oven or a big casserole or whatever. But what's funny is that people, random people have been writing to me and telling me that they've done this and that they had like a cassoulet party. That's great. I love to do that with like, like an Asian dish, like just get random people to cook like your culture that. Absolutely. Know, that's nice. Yeah. How, what do you think of, um, of that actually? Like, like, how do you approach spreading, like, uh, culture and food, I guess? That would be oh, a hard I question, but yeah. It is a hard question, but I think it, it goes back to what I was saying before. I think that any, any difference that we can learn about will enrich us. Um, and there's, there's no easier way into a culture than tasting its food, of right? And, like, and learning the history about the food as well is important. Well, exactly, because there's a reason why the ingredients in a certain dish are the way they are, you know, and it's it's fascinating to hear why, you know, why was in the case of cassoulet, um, you know, why is it based, you know, with beans? Because the beans were cultivated there at that time. And, you know, you learn about the whole history of of agriculture, basically, because people cooked what they had, you know, there. Available, yeah. I mean, like, we didn't have the luxury of, like, Amazon.com, order order some no. ingredients from across the world, yeah. Exactly. And so if you're interested in history, you're you're obviously interested in culinary history. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. I mean, like, yeah, that's part of, I mean, everyone ha has to eat, so. Yes. Yeah. So yes. is... So did you always, when you were younger, have the idea to combine your writing passion and food passion together? Or, no. Or how did no. that happen? 
Absolutely not. I just, you know, it happened because when I was, you know, after I worked in sort of in the business world and the music business world, um, I was trying to think, you know, what are my passions? And my passion was food and travel. And then I realized by talking to people and looking around and, you know, reading stuff that there was actually a field called travel writing. And so that one class that I took was um, uh, from a small company called Gotham Writing Workshops, still around nowadays. Um, and they had this travel writing class. And I was like, travel writing? Well, that sounds really cool. That what sounds is like your, your two favorite things right there. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was just luck, you know, that I, that I got into this. But I guess as far as advice, maybe it's luck. Maybe it's just really trying to see what's inside of you. No, I mean, of what, course. Yeah, you got to give some credit to yourself, Sylvia. What you love, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Of course, luck is always involved, I think, a little in anyone's life. But yeah, so how did you, how'd you start off? Because I know, obviously, this was not your first thing you've done. No. So can you give us the, the first thing you did and like kind of the build up to this, this big book here? Sure. Well, the first thing I did um, was taking this class. And uh, thanks to the teacher who really liked my writing, um, he connected me with a few editors at magazines. And because of the work that I'd done previously, I, I had friends in that field, you know, people who were um, writing for the New York Times or for, you know, now there's not that many magazines left, right? And I don't think people of your generation even read magazines. But you've got now but but you've got the websites you know which are read uh, probably just even more than magazines yeah yeah websites and and these websites i mean they need content right so in fact they're all looking for people to write and if you write about a specific thing like a i don't know if you have like a special hobby let's say you're a hockey player and you're also a great writer I'm sure there's some hockey websites that would be, you know, happy to take some of your writing and then put it on whether you're describing, you know, a game or the, maybe the, a profile of a player or maybe a new, um, I don't know, a, a new trend that's happening yeah. in, in teaching hockey or, you know, just just look around. That's that's how it happened with me. Is that little by little I started writing for newspapers, magazines, um, and and then websites. So for our listeners, what exactly were you writing about? Like for the food, like were you writing like reviews or more the history or more? I did. How did I did. Yeah. yeah, I did reviews, but I wasn't. I wasn't very interested in reviews because reviews are just one person's opinion, you know, and I was just starting out and I, and I was like, you know, who's interested in my opinion? What do I know? You know, I was much more intrigued, for example, like suddenly everybody was starting to use Brussels sprouts on their menu. It's just an example, right? Um, so Dave Chang, for example, the chef had a fabulous recipe for Brussels sprouts. But I mean, it's like, who knew that Brussels sprouts was going to become kind of the hip vegetable? <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. It's so random, right? <laughs> 
and so things like that, you know, I that sort of intrigued me. Um, or for example, uh, here in Bridgehampton, there's a farm um, not very far from where I live. And the farmer um, who is Christian um, started making challah bread, which is the traditional Jewish bread yeah. of, the, of the Shabbat dinner, Friday night, Saturday, right? And there were so many people here who loved this challah bread and he became kind of a celebrity. Th those were kind of the stories. Really? That Even I though he's Christian. I mean, that yeah. would, it doesn't prevent you, but that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. I guess but that shows he, the, the growth in yeah. emerging. And and the, what you were talking about before is to try and meld the cultures, you know? I know, that that's the dream, right? You get everyone to, um, no, like even at my school, we're, we're more on the progressive side and it's a private school, right? So they have, they're allowed, the, the chefs are allowed to like pick more or abstract meals. And I remember once I did like a, a Korean dish, I think it was just like dumplings. And some like, you know, my school is very, it's more on the, the white side. So a lot of people were like, oh my God, like, what is this? And I was like, wow, you don't know what this is? Like, not in a judgmental way, but yeah, like, yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, they're tasting it and they're like, oh my God. Like, and then, you know, like I get kids like text me later. They, they try to make stuff at home. Or they try some fruit and it's just, it's heartwarming, honestly. I'm trying to uh, do a little like, like some sort of international carnival at my school to like get all different oh, cultures. Oh, I love that. Kind of, yeah, so we'll see. No, I, I think food is... Uh, what what school? Remind me what school you're going to. So now I go to this uh, the Calhoun School. Right. I I used to go to Eunice, Eunice. the international yeah. school. So yeah. So like I still have that like because at Eunice everyone was very cultured. Right. And little me who grew up since kindergarten thought you know this is how the world is but it's not right you know right. people people are not as uh you know diverse as there so now I'm just trying to like spread those values into like newer places like you are so exactly think, yeah but uh, and also anyway, we, yeah. we live in new york so we're very lucky that oh, we yeah. have all this food you know basically it's around one the of the world. most diverse places probably yeah yeah so um yeah speaking of new york do you do you go out to to eat often or do you like just always making your own food i was pretty curious in that <laughs> I go out to eat a lot, but I cook, I cook at home as well, but I think, you know, I do uh, go out. That, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Anyways, um, you know, just to, uh, as I said before, this advice for younger people, uh, what would you say to, and this is a big loaded question. What would you say to your younger self right now? What advice would you give younger Sylvie, you know, about like passion career pursuing you know i you can, you can think about it it's a i asked everyone this and everyone's like wow like okay i gotta i gotta think for a second but you know i think that you have to start by being reasonable i mean i think you have to start by by choosing something that will make you um you know that will give you a, a good basis for your for your life so i'm not gonna say you know follow your heart right away <laughs> go for it yeah <laughs> yeah you know i think that that's that's a little foolish because nowadays people need to establish themselves they need to find a good a good way but you have to know that once you've done that you can switch and you can pursue your passion at many stages of your life 
you know yeah, you don't have to decide at this younger age exactly and i would say to try i mean as, as far as studies is concerned and you know my my son is not taking this advice at all but that's his prerogative <laughs> he's a little older than you um but i would say choose something that's very wide don't close off doors don't decide you're going to be an accountant you know when, when you're 15 just just leave the door open yeah, to go other... for like business instead instead of right business and then also maybe you know take a history class take a philosophy mm -hmm. class look wide because you're not going to get the chance to do that later open mind okay. you're saying Keep, keep an open mind and I think try to learn about the world as much as possible. And then you'll find your own world. That's why I do this. You know, I learned so many new experiences. But um, thank you, Sylvie, so much for uh, today. You know, where can, where can people, by the way, find this, this amazing book, by the way? Just, just Well, independent bookstores and Amazon, of course, and Barnes & Noble. They, Sylvie, they, really, from a food, or I guess wannabe foodie to you a real foodie um thank you thank you for this um thank you dylan it was a lot pleasure. all right i'll see you okay have a good yeah, rest right. have a good new year uh, yeah you too stay in touch absolutely i'll try that recipe all right bye challenge